You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. Book of Genesis chapter 41. I read about a billionaire banker by the name of Jamie Bowton who just recently received 18-month prison sentence and a $58 million fine for trying to smuggle a Picasso painting out of Spain. This billionaire banker was warned by authorities not to move this painting, but he refused to obey and now they believe uh, now basically this man has had to forfeit this picasso known as the head of a young woman valued at 26 million pa- uh, euros sorry uh, 29 million dollars maybe a little bit more than uh, that and uh, uh, also being faced with a 58 million dollar fine plus 18th month jail now, what's interesting about this, this man being one point, he's, been, he's got a net worth of uh, $1.7 billion. What's interesting about this is that Jamie Bowton is 83 years of age. So despite what he may have built his entire life, what we can draw from this illustration is that it doesn't matter how rich or well-known you may think you are, there are still always going to be laws, rules, and regulations that everyone will have to submit to. Now, the same is true regarding God's economy. That there is much more for us to understand when it comes to our finances and our labors of our hands Money this morning, you need to understand, is spiritual. And it reveals the God that we serve. It reveals our dedication. It reveals the life that we live. And the truth is, biblically, the Bible says that according to our finances or how we view money, it will either bring a blessing or a curse. How we view money will either bring a blessing or how we handle money will either bring a blessing or a curse. The choice is up to you this morning. I want to preach to you a sermon entitled God's Economy out of the book of Genesis chapter 41. You can read along with me. The Bible says these words, starting at verse 33. Now therefore let Pharaoh set a set a discerning and a wise man, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming, and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities." Then the, that food shall be as a reserve for the land for seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, uh, that the land may not perish during the famine. 
Verse 37, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all the servants. Uh, and Pharaoh said to his servants, uh, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all of uh, my people shall be ruled according to your word. Uh, only in regard to those uh, to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, uh, See, I have set you um, over all the land of Egypt. God's economy. I want to look firstly and focus at the trap of Egypt. Now, the trap of Egypt is very simple. It is something that is alive today. It's a mentality that uh, the years of plenty uh, will always continue. And this is some a mentality today that many people fall to uh, in their life, that they feel as though because I am accumulating wealth uh, today, uh, this will continue for the rest of my life. It's a mentality that has left uh, many people crippled, uh, one by the name of Kim Forrester and her husband, uh, who this became a reality in the August uh, 2019 when they received uh, a letter notifying them uh, that, the that the bank wants them to file for bankruptcy. What had happened uh, is five years prior, they had made a purchase on a credit card. They then, uh, throughout the years of not making the repayments, uh, then had come to a place where the interest-free on that credit card uh, had come to an end uh, and they were forced to, to pay 30% interest rates on what they had purchased. As a result, they weren't able to meet the need, and so they contacted them and said, you need to file for bankruptcy. And so here we have a couple that, uh, through negligence and just avoiding of something uh, that was laying at wait uh, for many years, this wasn't something that they had forgotten. These were appliances that they had used in their everyday life, uh, but unbeknown to them and uh, not being aware of the power of uh, increase there, uh, now they are having to face uh, the reality of bankruptcy. The buy now, pay later mentality. We're living in a generation that many have fallen by the sword, on the sword to credit card debt, buying things with high interest rates, not considering that one day you're going to have to pay maybe double or even triple for what you purchased that day. Now, this is not a new scenario because what we see is a mentality that has trapped generations after generations. And this was alive in Egypt all those years ago. The Bible says that a dream comes to Pharaoh. There's going to be seven fat cows and seven lean cows. And that doesn't mean anything about the weight. What that's speaking about is time of plenty and time of famine. And so if you could just imagine these fullness of years uh, that everything was going uh, to now blossom and they were going to receive uh, a blessing. Uh, they were going to plant and see fruit from their labors. Uh, and this was going to continue for seven long years. You could just imagine this would have become uh, 
the norm. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 55. So when all of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all of the Egyptians, go to Joseph and whatever he says, do. Now what's interesting about it is seven years you've had the opportunity to save. Seven years you've had the opportunity to put aside and uh, at least save it for a rainy day. But the very first month, I dare say, the Egyptians are already crying out of what will be the, the longest seven years of their lives because of the famine. What we see is that the trap of Egypt is despite your greatest efforts in the past, what you have and who you are today is the only thing that matters in the eyes of Pharaoh. And instead of being able to meet the need, he disregards him, he pushes him to somebody else. And yes, thank God Joseph was there. But the truth is, is that Pharaoh represents everything that is ungodly. He did not care about the welfare of his people. He disregarded them entirely. He had no time for them. And so therefore he pushed them aside. For somebody else to deal with. Go to Joseph. Or in other words, I don't have time for you. That wasn't a full year into the famine and these people were already complaining. The trap of Egypt is that there is always going to be plenty. And today you may be working and earning an income and be very happily set and comfortable. But listen. There's something that you need to be aware of, and that is the power of savings. It wasn't a full year, and these men, these farmers, these shepherds uh, realized that they needed uh, to sustain their lives, uh, and they were unable to in the famine years, and that is much of the representation uh, of the generation today. They have filed for bankruptcy at young ages, and yet even though uh, they are poor, even though uh, they have nothing to their name, they still uh, have a brand new car, uh, boat, clothes, jewelry. Uh, they promote their best life uh, and always be putting their best forward on social media. But yet if you dig further down, you realize these people are bound in debt. Not factoring in sickness, reversals, setbacks, redundancies. Uh, now all of a sudden, uh, a slave to your lifestyle. Can't meet the need. The Bible says the Egyptians cried out to Pharaoh. It's interesting at how Jesus in the New Testament highlights the Lord's, in the Lord's prayer the power of forgiving of our debts in Matthew chapter 6 verse 12 it says and forgive us of our debts as we forgive others that word debt means something we owe to somebody else now think about this this can be correlated morally or even financially there are 
debts that you have and you have not paid back. You have things owing to your name that you have pushed aside or not even put an importance on it, disregarded it, continued to live without it. You get a pay increase and instead of paying your debt, you feel as though, well, this is a great opportunity to buy those new shoes or that new hat. Meanwhile, you're in debt. Meanwhile, you feel as though, well, I'll pay that off Sometime you are gripped by the trap of Egypt. Now, for anyone who didn't know or wasn't raised understanding how to finance, how to how to manage your finances, what you can learn is by looking at those who fell for, the, fell for the traps. Egypt served as that trap. For a season, things were great. They didn't care for anything. They didn't worry about anyone else until the, ha- the famine hit. Let me ask you this morning, who do you turn to when the famine hits? Is it your boss? Is it the government? Is it charities? The question is, do they know you? Do they even care about your well-being? Because you have to understand something. That many times when we earn money and, you know, and, and accomplish great things regarding to finances, it becomes our, our identity. And if we're not careful, we identify ourselves in those jobs, in those positions, uh, and yet these places, these positions... Don't care about your well-being, and yet there is a God who cares about every part of your entire life. So don't fall for the trap of Egypt. Let's look secondly this morning at gain wealth that becomes power. Some of you have never known what it feels like to actually hold a week's wage or a fortnight's wage in your hands with cold, hard cash. Most of us today, it's direct debits, it's all electronic, and so we have electronic money today, even with the rise of uh, uh, created money known as Bitcoin, uh, where it's all, uh, uh, you know, out there in the cloud somewhere, uh, and so, but there's something about a generation that, how many can remember getting a week's pay in your hand? How many remember that? Just me? A couple of us? Okay. It's not an altar call. I'm not pulling for hands to pray. It was just that feeling getting $100, $200, $300 in your hand. Something that you could see that you had to put in your wallet and your wallet as a result make you sit on an angle because it was just so full from that one week's wage. How many remember having a wallet? <laughs> right, so you have this, this generation today that everything's electronic and you remember those that remember the day of having cash, the time where you would have to, $50, you had to pay for something, you'd be like, mm, I don't really want to let go of this. This is better in my hand. Why would I give it to you? But now you have a generation that as a result of things like pay wave, where you pay and wave your finances and savings goodbye. They just 
tap and go. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know what? I don't want to even see how much that is. They could be putting whatever, and you just trust. They've put the right number there. You just tap, and off you go. We don't want you to be stressed at all. Well, they believe this has created a damaged mindset. Not being able to see money leave you physically has now caused people to use money carelessly, making high interest purchase with a tab, pay wave, uh, or just put it on credit and I'll pay it off. There's an article in 2018 that said more than half of British young people between the age of 22 and 29 are living with absolutely no savings at all. 22 and 29, no savings. Not one penny to your name, yet you can still buy that latest uh, uh, phone or that latest uh, jewelry or that, you know, uh, follow the famous trends and, you know, put it on social media, promoting a lavish lifestyle, going on holiday trips, uh, a getaway, a gap year. Uh, You have not one dollar to your name. Putting more money into your body than into the bank with cosmetic surgery, all these enhancers. Men look like they've actually been breathing in so much air that they all, you know, they they have to turn their whole body to look at you. It's like, you don't, that's not strong. That doesn't look cool. Not one penny to their name. Now, that's the tragedy of today because it removes the power. It's those phone calls you get, hey, uh, you owe me. And now you're terrified. It's those dreaded times that we all hate. You're in debt. Payday is coming up. And for those who fail to understand the power that comes from saving money, fail to understand a biblical principle. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 49, Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. Imagine if you had that much money in the bank, That even though bills, you got a speeding fine, the bills came in on the same day, and then all of a sudden you have, you know, the kids need new shoes, they're going back to school, and you just go, you know what, I have that much savings, pay for it all today. Imagine having that immeasurable amount of savings. That's what the Bible says Joseph was able to do with the finances of the entire Egypt. That we're talking about a nation that was fortified because of someone that said, we need to save while it's still plenty. The Benjamin Franklin says, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. In other words, he's saying, you bought that so cheap, 
but yet you got yourself in debt for it, uh, and now that price means nothing uh, because all you can think of uh, is why did I buy that or why am I in debt? It's broken. It's not of no use anymore, and yet here I am in debt for it. Here is a powerful understanding. Don't buy the cheap and nasty. Save your pennies and get something that will last. Now, the devil targets the hasty decisions. Proverbs 21, verse 5, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. What's that speaking about is hasty decisions, quick purchases. Uh, you're seeing things. And, I need, and I'll be honest with you, I've been uh, on, uh, online or on Gumtree uh, and you see something and you go, oh, that looks really cheap. I better get in there quick uh, before I miss out. We've all put it on our watch list only to get that little uh, uh, message to say, thank you for your inquiry, uh, but it's been sold and you think, I missed out. On another bargain. But see, the hasty decisions are those that lead uh, to poverty. And it targets the impatient. And some of us can even recall we have these things and we go, why do I even have it? I used it once and never again. Now, the Egyptians, the Bible says, lost everything because of their inability to save. Genesis chapter 47, verse 15, the Bible says these words. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Then further on, the Bible says in verse 17, so they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. Just one year. Remember, there was going to be seven years of famine. Remember, it was going to last for seven years and they sold their horses, they sold their livestock, and you think that's the end of it? Absolutely not. The Bible says it goes furthermore to say that they ended up selling all of their land. In fact, Pharaoh concludes uh, by, by, uh, by being spoken uh, that all of the land in Egypt was owned uh, by Pharaoh because of that Famine. Listen, if you don't understand the power of gained wealth, you'll fail to understand that somebody will one day step up to you and say, all that you have is mine and take it all. Those times where creditors come to your door and they're knocking and saying, listen, you haven't paid your debt, that what you're sitting on is mine. All because... They didn't save. All because you didn't consider putting money aside. Hasty decisions. Now the devil will not stop until he has robbed every last thing of you. And we can talk about this 
financially, we can speak about this uh, psychologically, morally, all these things. The Bible is warning us. He is the devil is targeting uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants you uh, absolutely bound to him. Uh, and this generation is going to get a real reality check uh, the day the creditors begin to overthrow every single one uh, that has been bound in debt. The power of the gospel is found in this reality that unless we understand savings, unless we are willing to actually put aside money and consider this possibility, we will fall by the sword. So let's look thirdly and in closing at provided, by, provided for by God. Something we learn from this passage of Scripture is during this time of famine. Joseph restores his friendship with his brothers. Pharaoh gives them, as a result, a place to live known as Goshen. Goshen goes to be a sanctuary where Joseph and his family are able to live. Now, what you need to understand is now something uh, uh, begins to transpire. In verse 6 of chapter 47, the land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and your brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, uh, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. Not only did Pharaoh give Joseph and his family the best of the land, but he gave them access to all of Pharaoh's flocks. And so as a result, uh, you can do a study in your own time, Goshen uh, becomes a place of a well-watered, well-maintained uh, area. Because of that, it is fertile, and everything that they begin to plant, it blossoms. All the things that graze in that paddock uh, are fat and full, and so through that time of the famine, what we discover is that the people of God are not crying out to Pharaoh. It is only the Egyptians, and we see this in verse 27, that the family multiplied and prospered exceedingly. Now, here is something that's profound. The moment, and I made this comment earlier, money is spiritual. Now, if you don't understand that, you will fail to understand the principle uh, that is in the Word of God. You honor God with your finances. You honor God with your first increase. Uh, and God gets involved in your circumstance. Don't forget, Goshen was a part of Egypt. Uh, and the Bible says a famine is going to wipe Egypt and the neighboring cities. Yet Goshen didn't suffer from the famine. Goshen prospered. And I believe this is because God's people were, were laboring in that land and honoring God uh, with their increase. Notice that during that whole dilemma, it was only the Egyptians crying out for desperation. It seems as though God was with God's people, uh, Goshen meaning uh, approaching or drawing near. There is something of significant when God's people don't just 
draw near to God with their lips, but also uh, with everything they have and everything they are. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, uh, the people draw near to me uh, with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart uh, is far from me. There's something that reveals us. Again, money is spiritual. The moment we are willing to give uh, into the offering plate and say, God, this is yours. Uh, you do as you please uh, so that your kingdom would be established, uh, so that others would be saved. God gets involved in your life. We see that being wise stewards of what we possess is a revelation to others around us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through to 21. 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What the Bible reveals uh, is that by your continual investment into the kingdom of heaven, into things that are eternal, uh, the Bible says people uh, would be able to recognize, why aren't you stricken by the famine? Why hasn't this flood affected you? Why hasn't this fire affected you? Why? Because God has protected me. I have been faithful in my tithes and in my offerings with my finances uh, and God has set a hedge uh, of protection over our lives, over our finances. This is the God that we serve. Uh, he's concerned about every part of your entire life and how you view money uh, is a big factor of that. God is watching what we do with our finances, how we spend our money, how we invest it. In Matthew chapter 25, it speaks uh, of uh, men who were given talents by a master, by a boss. And it was two out of the three uh, that invested uh, what they were given by their master wisely. One of them buried it into the ground uh, and gave it back to his boss. The response of the master is very clear. He says, so you, uh, so, you, uh, to have, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own, my own with interest. And so here is Jesus. I know the word of God is a spiritual book. And it unlocks the keys to the supernatural. But there's something that is a part of our everyday life that if we fail to understand the importance of it uh, in the eyes of God, uh, it will remove us from ever reaching all that God has for us. The Bible says this unwise servant didn't invest, didn't even give it to someone uh, that would actually be able to bring an interest and the Bible says Jesus confronts this man, says, throw him away. This has to do with what we spend our money with. This has to do with what we invest in. And can I just declare to you that the moment you begin to participate in God's economy, the moment you begin to 
give with a cheerful heart into what God's doing in these last days. We're not trying to be able to build a shelter to feed or clothe the homeless. What we're trying to do is reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many other ministries that focus on that. But our priority is to make sure every country, every language, every nation is reached with the gospel. And that requires finances. That requires us getting involved in God's economy, investing into people's lives, into the local church, so that it can continue to preach the gospel in these last days. Malachi chapter 3 verse 11 speaking about bringing all the tithes into the storehouse uh, that they may be food. Uh, and the promise for us is, and I will rebuke the devourer for our, your sake, uh, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, uh, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit uh, for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, God says, I'm getting involved in your life. I'm going to move in areas and dimensions that you cannot move. That is a God worth serving. Can anybody say amen? A God that says, you're worried about your bank account? I'm worried about your bank account. You're worried about your savings, your children's future, how you will pay for their bills and their schooling? I'm worried about that as well. And he says, you begin to place your money wisely, invest it wisely, I will get involved. You honor me. You are able to save and honor me. Uh, I will uh, do what you can't. Now that's a God worth serving. He meets the need, makes it possible for you to be able to prosper. But the issue is, do you trust him with your finances? There are a lot of people, I love Jesus. Oh, I'll sing the songs, raise my hands, I'll come to church. But do you trust him with your finances? Do you trust Him with your finances? Let me talk about this final testimony. There's a miracle harvest. A New South Wales farmer sowed $36,000 worth of seed during a time of drought. His name is Jared Amory. He's a fifth-generation farmer in New South Wales, and he lived in an area that had been ravaged by the drought. No one in the local area is planting seed into this dry soil, but Jared had a dream from God to plant $36,000 worth of canola seed. At a time where it was natural, his actions seemed crazy. God was about to make miracle happen. Listen to what he says. I had this dream, but the catch is that it was just a normal dream. I'm not uh, any of your... Uh, super spiro kind of person i'm just an everyday kind of christian person that runs a farm someone who just loves god and wants to do uh, great things for god's kingdom because the land was as dry as chips you know no rain for ages i could just see in this dream exactly what i was standing what a paddock was uh, what paddock i was in uh, what part of the farm i was in I could see these rows, these green rows of fresh green canola plants growing. I could see that there was none anywhere else around me in my dream. 
So I thought, wow, that's so cool. The next day I told my wife, Emma, and I told my father because at the start I discounted it as an everyday dream. I sort of got thinking about it and telling my wife and uh, we both fell, uh, felt uh, that this was a God thing. This dream from God uh, required a significant step of faith from Jared to sow this canola seeds into that part, uh, particular dry, dusty paddock. It wasn't like the seed uh, was there, uh, was free either. It cost $36,000 for the seed. Uh, I got advice from some people where I was thinking about doing it, and the people responded and said, don't do it. Then I thought, am I going to do what people say, or am I going to step out on a limb and in faith uh, and trust God? I told God I was doing, I was going to trust Him, and that this was his dream this didn't uh this doesn't work um, it's uh if this doesn't work it's going to turn out really bad he said i thought some uh, I, I took some time uh, to think about it then time to sow the seed uh, in a thousand acre paddock uh, and when they had finished sowing um, the rain came he says the rain came and it continued to rain he says they drive past that beautiful paddock and worship God every time because of what he did. Now, I want you to think about something. You could listen to the voice of the people around you saying, don't go to that church, don't give them your money, don't do this, don't do that. Or you could listen to the voice of God. Now, we take an offering every single service and the reason for that is to be able to help us to trust God again. An opportunity for you to give your life into God's hands. To trust Him, not just with your time, but also with your finances. It's an opportunity for you to be able to experience what the Bible says. Open the windows of heaven. Every time that basket goes past, it's another opportunity for you to trust in God and say, God, I'm giving you what is yours. I'm going to trust you uh, with that little bit more and see what you will do. Now, what I'm here to declare to you is that that's what God's economy is all about. Trust Him. For over the years that I have been serving and giving, I've never been let down. If you're here this morning and you don't tithe to the local church, by, by tithing you remove the curse that is upon your life. If you are here and you felt like, you know what, I've realized I don't have any savings, you want a God first and you watch your bank accounts grow. Why? Because that's God's economy. Why? Because God gets involved in every area of our lives. Trust Him. It's God's economy. He knows what He's doing. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving around just for a few moments.